Brace yourself and buckle up. You are about to hear a life-changing, history-making, world-defining message from the New Birth Podcast. Tell everybody you know, things will never be the same. Uh, We're going to the Word of God. I'm starting a new series today uh, called Death to Poverty. Uh, death to poverty. Every area of poverty is going to be killed in this season. Uh, And so uh, from today all the way to Resurrection Sunday, uh, I'm going to be uh, preaching in uh, this series. Those of you who are not with us on Tuesday, uh, we are in a 40-day fast, a 40-day financial fast uh, that you are not shopping for 40 days. Somebody called the nurses. Two people just fell out right there. Amen. No shopping for 40 days, no excessive spending uh, for 40 days. You are saving and you are investing uh, in this Lenten season uh, because I want to see you in a different financial place by Resurrection Sunday. How how many of you believe God can do it? God can do it uh, by Resurrection Sunday. Resurrection Sunday is early this year. It is the last Sunday in March. It's the last Sunday in March. And so I ask that you will please uh, point in that direction. I'm already giving you notice. You do not need to buy new Easter clothes. Amen. Come on, you, come on, look at me. Amen. Uh, you do not have to buy new Easter clothes. In the words of my grandma, as long as it's clean and ironed. Amen. Uh, ask that you'll uh, put that on and make sure uh, you are in uh, the house of God on Resurrection Sunday. Uh, would you open up your Bible apps and uh, join me in Luke chapter 10? Luke chapter 10. Ask those of you who are physically able, would you stand in reverence for the Word of God? Uh, Luke chapter 10. Music ministry, you were phenomenal this morning. Thank you so very much. Uh, I'm grateful uh, for you. Uh, Luke chapter 10, verses uh, 30 through 35. Luke chapter 10, verses 30 through 35. Once you found it, once you say, I got it. If you can't find it, say, Lord, help me. Amen. It's on the screen. Amen. Come on now. Y'all embarrassing me in front of the visitors. Amen. Uh, Luke chapter 10, verse 30 through 35. Let's read together with uplifted voices. Come on, everybody. In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I reimburse you. If we can uh, climb back to verse 33, media ministry partner with me, let's go back to verse number 33. But a Samaritan as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, 
He took pity on them. You may be seated in the presence of our God. I'm going to preach for a little while uh, this morning uh, using as a subject, just don't let me see it. Just don't let me see it. Uh, look at the person beside you and tell them, he's talking to you. He's talking to you. Uh, just, don't, just don't let me see it. Comrades, I sure wish that more of us had friends like the apostle who wrote to his brother Gaius in uh, 3 John chapter 1, verse 2. Beloved, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health and even for your soul to prosper. I'm not sure you understand the gravity of that statement. I want above all things for you to prosper, for your health and for your soul to prosper. What he is saying in no uncertain terms, John, is, is that uh, I want you to succeed in every area of your life. I want you to succeed physically, emotionally, relationally, professionally, spiritually, and even financially. I want you to encourage somebody on your left and on your right, I'll look at him and tell him, I just wanna see you prosper. Lord, I would change seats right now if that's how they said it. That, that wasn't even convincing from where it is that I am. Uh, can you put some heft and some oomph behind that? Uh, would you look at him and tell him, I just wanna see you prosper. I want to zoom in for a moment so that you have the full grasp of uh, what prosperity is and what it means. Prosperity, I need you to listen to this. I want you to hear this. Prosperity is, uh, I want you to have no financial debt. I want you. I want you to have more than enough resources to fulfill your divine God-given assignment. I want you to have more than enough to help other people fulfill their dream. I want you to lift up that hand. I'm gonna speak it over your life. When I say to every person with lifted hands uh, that I want you to prosper, what I am saying to you for every person with lifted hands, I'm believing before this year is over, you will have no financial debt, that you will have enough resources to fulfill what vision God has given in your life. I speak over every lifted hand that God will give you so much resources that you'll be able to be a blessing to other people. If you believe that for yourself, I dare you to shout out loud that this is your year to prosper. Now, now that you understand, for me to want you to prosper means that I want you to have no debt, means that you're going to be able to afford whatever vision God gives you, and God is going to bless you so you can be a blessing to other people. So let's back that thing up. Lay your hands on the person beside you and tell them, I want to see you prosper. 
Come on, say it out loud. I want to see you prosper. What they just prophesied over your life is that you will carry no debt. All of your bills are going to be taken care of. Every vision God has given your life, you are going to be able to do it and you are anointed to be a blessing to other people. Your neighbor didn't shout, lay hands on yourself. I want to prosper. I want all of my bills taken care of. I want enough for the vision God has given me and I want to be a blessing to other people. That, that, that's what it means for me to be able to prosper. Hear this, listen to me. God will release provision for people who have wide vision. God only releases provision for people who have wide vision. In other words, your vision has got to be bigger than yourself. It's got to be able to involve somebody else. God, hear this, can get money through you. Hear this, if he can get money to you. Hallelujah. God is going to get money through you. Here it is. So right now, he is getting money to you. The money that God is about to release into your life is not just for you. God is releasing enough resources into your life because he needs you to be a blessing to somebody else. The reason why the devil been fighting you so hard and so bad is because he knows how many people's life is going to be impacted once you get into your bountiful position. Don't shout if folk don't depend on you. But if you know there are some folk that need me to make it, and the reason why the devil been fighting me so bad is he knows if I ever get on my feet, how many people I'm going to be able to bless because of the anointing on my life. I need you to hear this. Listen to me very carefully. Listen to me very carefully. Shouting is not a strategy. Y'all not going to like this sermon. Shouting is not a strategy. Dancing is not a practical blueprint for debt. Clapping will not call off the creditors. Speaking in tongues will not untie your mortgage. You have to have discipline and focus. If you are filled with the Holy Ghost, but you have no discipline in your money, you are just a sanctified demon. I don't want you dressed up in here, but you are not accountable to the wealth that God has put on your life. Being anointed is not about church clothes, but put on the full armor of God so that the enemy may be able to know. Hear this, Deuteronomy 8 and 18. He gives power to get wealth. He's about to give you the power to get wealth and establish a covenant. I want you to write this down. It's going to help you. Listen to me. It's going to write you down. I don't want you to just feel good. I want you to live well. I don't want you to just feel good. I want you to live well. Number one, you must earn more than you spend. You must earn more than you spend. 
increase your earning and decrease your spending. Earn more than you spend. Number two, be mindful that wealth is never created from working. Y'all don't like this. Wealth is not created from working and saving. Wealth is created from investing in stocks and bonds, insurance, 401k and real estate. Number three, find assets that will pay you. Find assets that will pay you. I think I better say to somebody, before this year is over, you will not be working for money. Money is gonna be working for you. I, I can't stand y'all. I better say it again. Before this year is over, you will not be working for money. Money will be working for you. Will you prophesy to that neighbor? Tell them before December 31st, you will not be working for money. Money is gonna be working for you. Checks are coming in the mail. Streams of income are getting ready to open up in your life. Every investment is gonna pay you back dividend. I need somebody to shout out loud, money is working for me. I found, ladies and gentlemen, I found an illustrative receipt on how this work. I've searched, found an illustrative scriptural receipt on how this works, and I want to roll it out for you today. Uh, one day, Jesus is uh, doing a peer development group, and uh, he's articulating the virtues on what it means to have uh, uh, what Dr. King calls a beloved community. And he gives an analogy about a man who was walking from Jerusalem to Jericho. And while he's walking from Jerusalem to Jericho, he is ambushed by gang members who rob him, who beat him, and leave him for dead. I want to stop right here because Dr. King said that poverty is the bride of crime. Poverty is the bride of crime. Wherever you see poverty, crime is close by. Uh, while it is that we were in Sunday school and in vacation Bible school, we learned this story, but nobody ever paused to do a full diagnostic on the, psycho the psychosis of the robbers. You have to understand that Jerusalem is the headquarters of the temple. It is the headquarters of the temple, and this man, hear this, is leaving church. He is leaving Jerusalem, headed to Jericho, and in route, robbers outside of church jump him. Uh, they jump him, beat him, and leave him half dead, and nobody ever asks what is going on in the mind of the robbers. I need you to hear this very carefully, is that the body of Christ is not just called to sing and to shout, uh, but we've got to do something in the spirit realm to cut down on crime. Uh, we do not need more police. Black people need more opportunities. Uh, job training will always do better than jails. Uh, forget minimum wage. We have got to provide a livable wage. Uh, a couple of years ago, before I became your pastor, I was pastoring in uh, Baltimore at uh, Empowerment Temple. And while I was pastoring there, I hosted the state's largest gun buyback program. Uh, 
the state's largest gun uh, buyback program for the state of Maryland. And we opened up at nine in the morning, nine in the morning, we opened up and said, whatever weapon you have, turn it in and we're going to give you $200. Uh, the State Department of uh, uh, Police uh, partnered with us in doing it. They collected all of the guns and uh, beginning at 7 a.m. for two blocks, people were in line to turn back in their weapons. Uh, we were closing at 4 o'clock, closing at 4 o'clock. At 3.45, a black Escalade pulls up in front of my former church. Black Escalade pulls up. Three young men jump out of the Escalade, pop open the trunk. Listen to me. They pop open the trunk, and the police said they needed to leave. The police said they needed to leave because they couldn't understand how military-grade weapons were on the street. Uh, they had night scopes. Y'all ain't saying nothing to me. They had uh, silencers. They had weapons that were registered to the U.S. military, but they were on the streets of Baltimore. I said to the pro tem of my steward board, you got to go to the bank before they close because we don't have enough money left over uh, to pay these young men for all of these weapons uh, that they are bringing to the church. And the young man stopped me in my tracks and said, Rev, we don't need your $200. We want to know, do you have any jobs for us? I was arrested in that moment because I realized the church was doing it backwards. Uh, we were trying to just piece off what was needed when the system needed to be overturned. Ladies and gentlemen, if we are not putting young black men in jobs and putting them in a position for them to work, then we are perpetuating the problem. Y'all don't like that? Let me say it another way. I, I would say today publicly, I would say to you today publicly, we have lost a lot of our our sons hear this because the strength of the nation of Islam, the strength of the nation of Islam is in the failure of the black church. I better say it to you again, the strength of the nation of Islam in part is because of the failure of the black church. When Malcolm X was arrested, y'all forgot he was a preacher's son. He was Malcolm Little. He went to jail and when he went to jail, none of the deacons went to go visit him. None of the men in the church went to go see him. But the people in the nation of Islam saw his value and saw his potential and they went to go see about him. When you were growing up in the church, we had youth choirs that had boys and girls. But by the time you got to the mass choir, we got to make girls sing tenor because we ain't got no men left. If we would do something to re-fortify black men in the community to know this ain't just a place for you to shout, but this is a place for you to serve. When we deal with crime, listen to me, when we deal with crime, something has to be said. If the Atlanta penitentiary has had more deaths than any penitentiary in the United States, but nobody is saying nothing about nothing. Y'all got to hear my voice on today. It is our responsibility as the body of Christ uh, to make sure that we're not just talking about prosperity if we do not address poverty. Our responsibility is to make sure that crime is cut in half and crime is cut in half by job creation and through entrepreneurship. I came today to go into spiritual warfare 
for all of our sons and our daughters who are trapped in the prison pipeline that today God is going to give them a way of escape. I know y'all sitting there and you feel like you arrived because you driving an Audi and a BMW. But I need some saints in this room who will open up your mouth that crime in this city is about to be decreased because of the oil that is on our life. Be seated, please. Be seated, please. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Holy God. You may be seated. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Hallelujah. I just got cleared for takeoff. Hallelujah. Be seated. Hallelujah. Oh, my God. Thank you, Holy God. I break the arm of the devourer. Every crime the enemy thought was going to be committed against you this year has just been canceled. Your house will not be broken into. Your car will not be stolen. You will not be brutally raped or beaten or abused or taken for granted. I speak to those of you that got sons and nephews in jail. God said if you open up your mouth when they come out of that prison door, they're going to be brand new creatures. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Be seated, please. I got to do some work right through here. Be seated. Hallelujah. Thank you, Holy God. Be seated right through there. Hallelujah. 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 I got to do some work. Be seated for just one moment. I got to do some work in the heavenlies. Be seated. Hallelujah. I got to break some strongholds. Hallelujah. I got to release some stuff in the spirit realm. Come on. Hallelujah. I feel glory right here. I said, I feel glory right here. I feel the glory of God right here. Hallelujah. Satan has become so emboldened. Satanic principalities have felt so emboldened that a demoniac thought that they could shoot in a church in Houston, Texas last Sunday and feel like it would open up the floodgates. But there's getting ready to be a sound of warfare in this room. Not for cars, clothes, and money, but that God will release warring angels to cover the house of God. I need somebody to open up your mouth. Not by might, not by power, but by his spirit. Come on. I dare you to open up your mouth. Open up your mouth. Upon this rock, I build my church and the gates of hell shall not. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Oh my God. Be seated. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hey, hallelujah. Thank you, Holy God. I need you to take that neighbor by the hand. I arrest in the spirit every mentally unstable person who comes into the house of God with the spirit of disruption. Satan, the blood of Jesus is against you. 
I tell you to open up your mouth like the glory of God. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. I can't hear any worshipers. I need a sound of a travail. Open up your mouth. I come against every mental illness, every bipolar disorder, every multi-personality syndrome. I declare the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Some of y'all just shout over material stuff, but I felt the breakthrough in heaven. God said, if you give me glory, it ain't for nothing tangible. God says, I am gonna heal whoever in your family is fighting through mental illness. Come on, I can't hear nobody. If you open up your mouth, I'm breaking PTSD. I'm breaking anxiety. I'm breaking depression. I'm breaking insomnia. Whatever. Hallelujah. You may be seated. This man is beaten, left for dead. You may be seated. I got to work today. Um, He's left for dead, left by the side of the road. And uh, a preacher comes down that street. A preacher comes down the street, and uh, when the preacher sees him half dead, bleeding, the preacher, the Bible says, crosses the street. He crosses the street, and nobody has asked him why. Maybe you forgot about uh, that other preacher in Kings. Uh, who died and uh, left no will. Because he left no will, his widow was left as a single mother trying to raise two sons by herself. It is because he, uh, he's anointed but has no assets. <laughs> he's anointed and has not made provision. The book of Proverbs says, a good man leaves an inheritance for his children. And here he was, he had been serving faithfully and then left nothing for his family. Maybe you forgot in the book of Acts that the two apostles went to church one day and when they went to church one day, they saw a man outside begging. And I think you forgot the language of these two preachers. The language of these two preachers said, watch this, silver and gold have I none. And so both in the Old and the New Testament, uh, we have exemplars of what it means uh, to be anointed and have no assets. Hallelujah. Did y'all hear what I just said? To be anointed and have no assets. That is not the will of God for your life. If you can hear my voice and you are under the covering of this ministry, I speak over your life, no more broke believers. God, I, I, I thought y'all were going to shout better than that. 
I said, I speak over your life. You are not going to be a broke believer. My father is rich in houses, in land. Y'all ain't saying nothing to me. I am believing, hear this, my grandmother, my grandmother said to us years ago, you cannot be a spiritual success and a financial failure. Oh my God, did y'all hear what I just said? You cannot be a spiritual success and a financial failure. I am believing by faith that your finances are going to catch up with your faith. Oh. Those who ain't got no faith ain't saying nothing. I said your finances are going to catch up with your faith. So he crossed over to the other side because he had nothing to offer. Ambling down the highway now is uh, a lawyer. And the lawyer comes and uh, he too sees that man beaten up, blood, bloodied, left for dead, bludgeoned almost to death. And he too crosses the street. And uh, what is amazing, uh, ladies and gentlemen, is that uh, he has pedigree and he has degrees. Uh, but he doesn't have anything to offer. The most vulnerable demographic in our community, listen to me, the most vulnerable demographic in our community is the black middle class. 73% of the middle class who are in this room, who are watching me online, 73% of black middle class are two car payments behind. Yeah. Are, are, are y'all listening to me today? Uh, you you, you got to understand uh, that we have been so enraptured with the pretense of success uh, that we, we really don't have any substance for success. I, I, I want to say something to you. Isn't it amazing that uh, we have uh, presently somewhere in the orbit of 13 billionaires uh, who are African-American in uh, this country, and the overwhelming majority of the 13 uh, black billionaires are birthed out of entertainment. Uh, the continent of Africa has 200 billionaires. Uh, they have 200 billionaires, and their wealth is coming out of business. How you will never, will never uh, act, accu act, uh, accumulate of uh, the greatest level of wealth uh, that you are supposed to have as long as you are working for somebody else. How God has got to shift your name from the back of the check to the front of the check. Uh, come on, I can't hear nobody in here. I got to ask you a question. If I am above and not beneath, if I am above and not beneath, what makes you think God wants you in the middle? All right, I went too fast. If I am above and not beneath, why is your aspiration the middle? God's intention for your life was never middle class. When the flood was over, Noah was on top of the mountain. I speak to somebody on this road. I speak to somebody in your section that God this year is shifting some things that you are going to be at the top of your field. You are going to be at the top of your industry. God said, God, if I could just get 50 worshipers, God said, if you give me glory and apply these principles, I'm shifting you to another tax bracket. I'm putting you to another income of living. Where you are right now is the lowest you ever gonna be. 
But if you believe God's got a greater level of resource for your life, I dare to give God glory for where you see yourself going. You have um, a preacher that goes to the other side. You have a Levite that goes the other side. And now here comes a stage right. The central character of this narrative is known as a Samaritan. And uh, I need you to check your Bible for me because you'll notice something. We called him good. Nowhere in the Bible is he ever called a good Samaritan. It just says a Samaritan. I want to show you something. Of the two previously introduced characters, you have a preacher and you have a lawyer. The central character, who is a Samaritan, he is the only one out of the three whose occupation is not disclosed. We live in a culture that as soon as people know your name, they want to know what you do. God, I can't hear nobody. So then they'll treat you predicated on your profession as if your profession is your identity. I need somebody, come on, y'all stay with me right here. So I got a lawyer and I got a preacher. Then I got a Samaritan, but I don't know what he does. But he is the strongest of them, and here's where y'all shout, and nobody knows to this day where he got his money from. God is getting ready to set some of you up that where you getting ready to live, how you getting ready to function, folk got no idea what you do or how you got it done. All they know is the favor of God is on my life. Be careful how you treat people. I said, be careful of how you treat people because you don't know what they carry. This Samaritan comes, and I need you to see something. Be seated, I'm coming. Uh, I gotta show you something. The Samaritan comes, and the Samaritan does, embarrassingly, the Samaritan does what the preacher never does. The Samaritan does what the preacher never does. Are y'all here? I said the Samaritan does what the preacher never does. What's that real? The Samaritan pulls out oil. Oh my God. All right. Y'all gonna get it in a minute. The preacher is walking. I understand if he ain't got no money, but how you a preacher with no oil? God, God, God I can't hear nobody. All of us get broke every now and again. All, all of us get strapped for care. But how you call yourself a preacher and got no oil? So the Samaritan is not a preacher, but he got oil on him. And when he sees, watch this, this man beaten and bludgeoned and bloodied, he pulls out his oil because he realizes the oil he carries, y'all ain't gonna like this, the oil he carries is not for him. The oil he carries is to help pull somebody else together. God, I can't hear nobody. Do you know what's on your life? 
Do you know what you carry? Do you know the gift of God that has been oozing out of your pores? I need you to just grab that neighbor by the hand real quick. I need you to grab that neighbor by the hand real quick and look at that neighbor, tell them the oil I carry is not for me. The oil I carry is to pull somebody together. I dare you to pull on that neighbor. They don't even know they sat by you today and what is on your life is gonna be spilled over to theirs. Here it is. He pulls out oil. But not only does he pull out oil, be seated. Not only does he pull out oil, see what he pulls out next. After he pulls out oil, the next thing he brings out is wine. Hallelujah. Brings out wine. The last time we saw wine was, watch this, in John chapter 2. When they're at the wedding in Cana and they ran out of wine. What ran out for other people, this man got a private stash of. I need you to know, don't trip over other folks' issue. What's going on with them got nothing to do with you. But I speak over your life. Your supply will not run out. Whatever it is that you need is still going to be in flow. He applies the oil. But after he applies the oil, he applies the wine. Watch this. The man doesn't drink it. He pours the wine on his wound. Uh, because the oil of the wine, hear this, is an anesthesia. It's an anesthesia, watch this, so you don't feel what you've been through. God, I feel like running through this building. You know God is with you. When you were left for dead, God, help me, your name was scandalized. Folks stabbed you in the back, but you don't feel nothing because God put a hedge fence of protection around your life. You should be bitter. You should be angry. You should be plotting revenge. But this joy that I have, the world didn't give it. He gives them oil. He applies wine. And then the Bible says he put bandages on them. Hallelujah. He put bandages on them. Here it is. I need you right where you are. Would you just hold yourself? Hallelujah. Come on, hold yourself. He put oil on them, put wine on them, then put bandages on them. Why, pastor? So he wouldn't fall apart. I need you to hold yourself because what you've been through in the last 18 months, you should have fell apart. You should have lost your mind. But God been keeping you together. You ain't jumped over the cliff. You refuse to commit suicide. You ain't gonna cry all night long. I need you to just shake yourself. He kept me together. Hallelujah. You may be seated. He kept me together. Oh my God. He kept me together. Do you know what I wanted to do to them? He kept me together. I almost lost everything, but he kept me together. I was that close to backsliding, but he kept me together. Be seated, please. Um, yeah. He wrapped him 
He wrapped him so he wouldn't fall apart. And it was only then, new birth, it is only then, it's only then that he pulls out money. He only pulls out money after pouring wine. He only pulls out money, hear this, um, after using his oil. And the key insight to the text that I need you to see is he drops uh, his credit card at the front desk. <laughs> drops his credit card at the front desk of the hotel and said, all of the charges apply to my account. And whatever extra is added, I'm going to take care of the bill. Now here's uh, where I need you to recalibrate your thinking is that most times, uh, particularly in a black church construct, we keep shouting over the probability and the prospect of somebody doing it for us. Hallelujah. But I need you to reposition your gauge. Hallelujah. God, hallelujah, put this man in position to take care of all of the medical bills. Y'all ain't saying nothing. He was able to buy the man a new wardrobe because his clothes were taken from him. Be able to buy food for somebody because he didn't know how long it was going to take before it is that he was able to get back home. And he did it, here it is, for a stranger. He did it for a stranger, for somebody who he never met. His ideology might have been different. He didn't know if that man laying there was a Republican. He didn't know whether he was a Democrat had no idea whether he was in the LBGTQ community, had no idea whether he was an atheist or an agnostic or apostolic. All he knew is here is somebody in trouble. And I am afraid for millennia, we have uh, misinterpreted this text and didn't understand that this whole narrative was the test of the Samaritan. Because this man, if he had the discretionary income to be able to bless a stranger, if he had in fact delayed his own self-gratification to put enough in savings, if he had put himself on a regimen to be able to save more than what he spent and had it in the bank account, here it is, God was testing to see what are you gonna do when you see somebody in need. How many of us would fail the test? Because when it is that we amass and accumulate wealth, we think it's all about us. And don't even know that God is making you put yourself in a position so you can be a blessing to somebody else. The blessings God is about to give you is not for a Birkin bag or red bottoms or a Louis belt, but imagine your grandmother who had um, no credit score. Your grandmother never went to Spelman, never went to Georgia Tech, never went to Howard, but watch the language of your illiterate grandmother with a sixth grade reading level. Your grandmother said, watch this, your grandmother said with no Gucci bag, 
Your grandmother said, watch this, with no bundles. Your grandmother said, never been to the Essence Festival. But your grandmother said, if I can help somebody as I pass along, if I can cheer somebody with a word or with a song, then my living is not in vain. The Samaritan would have been able to skirt by had he just not seen them. Had he not seen them, he would have been absolved of responsibility. Can you imagine what God is showing you is what you are assigned to. If it does not bother you, it's not your burden. But when God shows you something that's out of order, you are anointed to fix it. That, that, that's why your supervisor can't stand you. You ain't the manager, but you hate stuff out of order. You just gonna fix stuff that God sees. He says something. If you see it, you are to straighten it out. You are to address it. You are to change it. And you are to improve it. I remember um, two blind men were sitting by the roadside and they started crying out, Son of David, have mercy on me. The disciples tried to make them be quiet. Hallelujah. But the more they tried to make them be quiet, the louder they screamed, Son of David, have mercy on me. There were throngs of people in that crowd who were vying for Jesus' attention. But the two blind men knew, if he sees me, he gonna have to do something. God, I can't hear nobody. Uh, there is a, a small clue and indication in the text that I cannot have you ignore. And that is the Samaritan, when he saw the man who was beaten and bludgeoned and bloodied, the Bible said he is moved with compassion. Uh, that is the same verbiage that is applied to Jesus, that Jesus would be walking amongst throngs of people, amongst those who are halt and blind and withered. But he saw them and was moved with compassion and immediately began to heal them. My time is up. I want to thank you for yours. But I'm going to say to you that if he sees you, he's going to have to do something about you. There's some folk on your row that need something from God. I don't know how you feel about it, but I need mine faster than they need theirs. I'm not gonna tell you what to do. Y'all are grown and you know for yourself what you feel like doing, but if I was you, I would get God's attention. God, you see me down here. You know what I'm dealing with. You know the bills I gotta pay. You know the children I gotta raise. Would you just take 60 seconds and get God's attention? Come on. I hope you are energized that you don't need an energy drink. What you just heard should have you off and running, chasing your dreams, pursuing your purpose, and answering your call. If this was a blessing, share it with somebody else. Don't be selfish. This is what God gave you so that you can be a blessing to somebody who needs it worse.